0: Well, thank you. Um, Just a little update. Um, Before I threw the wrench in the mix of moving uh, to Florida, we were already planning to have uh, Emily and her husband were going to be here with us to have the baby. So that hasn't changed. So I may be back and forth to Orlando some, but Kathleen and them and the baby and all will stay here for a while. And what that's going to look like, I have no idea. But that's the plan. And then the other couple, my other daughter and her husband, he's about to leave for England and she'll join him uh, for he's working on his PhD there. And so I don't know what's going on. Where will they be in England? Uh, York, University of York. PhD in physics. He's like me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, he's not like me. He, he graduated with a triple in physics, chemistry, and math. Yeah, so and he's working on some kind of, I don't even know what he's working on. But so they'll probably stay in England because it's funded by people there and they're not gonna want him to leave once they train him in what he's doing. So they're, they're probably gonna be living there. And then of course, Emily's husband is uh, a pastor uh, China, from China. And uh, they'll be probably uh, with things where they are now, we, we don't know, they, they may be serving in China for a while. Uh, so yeah, don't know. Florida's is just going to be more of a, phew, a gateway to other places more than anything else, um, and and good news too. Uh, the The position I'm vacating at the school in Bernie, we've already got someone from from inside. So like this person I knew before we even I was even at the school. He and I worked together for years and years and years, and so we're training him up. And so I'm still kind of at. Geneva, Bernie. I haven't done anything yet to transition to the school in Florida, so I'm still kind of planted here as far as helping him to get ready and getting the semester wrapped up, all that kind of stuff. So there's the update as to when and how and all that. I still don't know. And your mom will be losing her too. So Rob's mom. Didn't you think you'd be by your first name by now? Instead, Rob's mom. I call her that. I say Rob's mom. Ever yeah, try? We'll, we'll see. I think she's probably going to be going too. She's got a sister in Daytona Beach, and there's, there's a lot of stuff. Anyway, she's probably going to be in Florida as well. She, she's going, mm hmm. <laughs> mm hmm. All right, well, for uh, this lesson, it's, it's really more, uh, well, most of my lessons are kind of more sermon esque. It's how I get sort of my, <laughs> get it out of my system, if you want to think of it that way. Uh, what I'm going to do this morning is actually deliver to you the sermon I normally deliver to uh, graduates. We always have a service after uh, the Sunday after graduation with the families and all. That would have been last Sunday. And I deliver the same sermon every year. Um, in fact, I think I've, I've delivered this sermon from our pulpit here. Uh, years back when Ron Skates was interim, I was in the pulpit quite a bit. Um, and I think I did. I'd, I'd, I should keep notes on these things. but. It actually works out with our, with our lesson. We're doing the life of Christ, and this is an episode from the life of Christ. It's in Luke chapter 9. If you have a Bible, Luke 9. And uh, it's Jesus setting his sights on Jerusalem. He's on the way. And it's an interesting episode because we find Jesus seemingly discouraging some people from following him. And he's, he's doing so in order to drive home what it means to follow him. Remember, being a, being a Christian is, is no more but no less than following Jesus Christ. Now, when he was on the earth, that would have been easy. He said, follow me. You followed him. You, you actually physically did it. Of course, he's left his Holy Spirit for us now, and we follow there, and we follow through the Scripture. But this is a reminder this morning from Luke 9 about uh, the nature of following Jesus. We're going to see three little vignettes of two people who tell Jesus they'll follow him. One, that Jesus says, follow me. And in each case, he, he sort of blows away their expectation or perhaps conditions they have attached to following him. So naturally, when I'm addressing graduates, I'm helping them to understand that as they continue in their lives, what this following will mean. You know, you're coming out of high school and, you know, you think you got your, you know, you're, you're looking towards all these goals you've set, and you never know, though, when some of those might blow up because you're following Jesus. And, of course, that's the same with us today. Uh, we, we need a shake-up, a reminder sometimes about the nature of following Jesus. And we read this passage at the end of chapter 9, beginning at verse 57. Now, as they were going along the road, and this is towards Jerusalem, Someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another, follow me. But he said, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And another also said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, in none of those cases are the things that these would-be followers, that they bring up, are they, are they bad things necessarily? The first seems to think that the comfort that he has always assumed would be there will still be there. The second... There is a a very high custom he's trying to fulfill from his culture. And third, I mean, it's family. I mean, come on. So what is Jesus trying to do in these discouragements? He's pushing it just to help them to understand, in particular with these three, what they need in order to follow him. Now, the first is someone who says, you know, rather boldly, I'll follow you wherever you go, wherever you go and i mean that's a great that's a great pronouncement that's a great thing to say to jesus i'll follow you wherever you go and you know working with students all my life i've seen that too i've seen people respond to the gospel and uh, you know very very i'll do whatever for jesus only to find out two weeks later when they get back home from camp that was a little much but he's, he's i think he's sincere in some ways but jesus tells him rather cryptically You know, the foxes have holes, birds have nests, but I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. He goes, are you sure you'll follow me wherever I go? We're roughing it tonight. Do you want to rough it tonight? In other words, comfort and security, not bad things. In fact, I would say in the United States, we almost think of them as rights. Not bad things. Jesus is saying, you know, that thing that you've always counted on, you just thought was part of it, that might be gone. You may have to give that up. Remember, he's on the way to Jerusalem to be sacrificed, and he's helping them to see that if you're going to follow me, you're going to follow me in that. In other words, following Jesus requires a complete understanding of what you're getting into. And by the way, you know I love alliteration. That's the first one. It's all use. okay? So understanding requires a a firm understanding of what you're getting into. There's going to be something, or there could be something, towards which Jesus is heading you in following him that's going to require you to sacrifice. In fact, all of us will be in that boat at some point. And it could be different for, other, for, for all of us. Remember the rich young ruler in, in Matthew? He says, I want to go, I want to do. It. And Jesus says, All right, well, first go and sell all your stuff, and then come and, and give it to the poor, and then follow me. For him, that's what he needed, and that was the sacrifice. What's it going to be for us? What, what if, in following Jesus, he said to you, you know what? Uh, I need you to quit that lucrative job you're in, and I want you to follow me to, and just name some place where you may not know if you're going to have the comfort and security of what we have right now. Would we do it? You know, with the students, I said, what if you're in the middle of this lucrative, you know, degree plan, credentialing for academic and economic success, and Jesus says, you know, I need you to change majors so that you can, what, what would we do? In other words, are we sure we understand that following Jesus requires sacrifice? And it may sac- we may have to sacrifice things that we think are basic rights, like Comfort, security. Well, what about the next guy? He calls the next one and he says, Hey, follow me. And he goes, Yes, yes, I will. But first, permit me to go and bury my father. Now, we're going to hope dad's already dead. Okay? <laughs> but, you know, it's not. <laughs> um, and what we miss sometimes with this is that burying one's father Welcome back. Look at that. Give it up. Yes. Good to see you, brother. And if you're listening on a podcast, you're just going to have to figure out what happened. Jesus just (laughs) returned or something. I I don't know. There was clapping. Um, Burying one's father was even superior to and took precedent over actually saying the Shema. Hear, O Israel, Lord your God, the Lord is one which was the high sacred duty of, of a Jew, of an Israelite. And burying one's father superseded that. And Jesus is saying to this man, you know, and it's, it's something, it looks like something that would be praised, right? I mean, oh, well, yes, please, go do that first. That's your high duty. That's our high custom. But Jesus says, eh, Let the dead bury the dead. I'm calling you to proclaim to the living. Just an idiomatic way of saying, no, this takes precedent. I'm calling you to proclaim the kingdom. Notice there's an urgency about it. There's your second you. Not just understanding, but urgency. There's Jay, welcome. There's an urgency about following Jesus. And sometimes we kind of forget that. Often we'll give Jesus our leftovers if we're not careful. Uh, you know, it, in John, where it's recorded that Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And it doesn't say, eh, when they get some time, they'll give me some, give me some leftovers. He doesn't say that. Now, none of these things, again, remember, are bad things that Jesus is saying, no, these come second. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we can be in that same boat. We can get so involved in good things, really good things, that we can schedule out obedience to Jesus Christ. But they're all good things. Notice he's not saying, I want you to quit doing drugs and come following me. He, He doesn't say that. He says, he tells them, no, even that high sacred duty comes second to the urgency of what I'm asking you to do. I think for us, it would be akin to, you know, what if Jesus called you to do something that people of our, you know, of our class perhaps and our socioeconomic condition and where we are, for people of our, our situation, well, that's just not done. You just, you just don't do that. Well, what might that be? Well, I don't know what that might be. For the students, I said, what if, what if God called you to quit school? Well, that's just not done. What if, God, what if that's what's required? Now, I did give the caveat. Just because things get hard, you don't suddenly say, I think God's calling me to leave. College. That's, that's, that's not what it was. Um, but that could, that could happen. There's an urgency to following Jesus that sometimes we simply schedule out with good things. So we need to be careful. Finally... Another one says, I'll follow you, but first. I'll follow you, but first, let me go say goodbye to people at home. Now, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with family? I mean, there's nothing wrong with family. In this case, however, notice Jesus is urging that, that not only should, he have un- there, should there be understanding and urgency, but undivided attention undivided attention to the task of following Jesus Christ. We live in an age where even in the church, much to our shame, I think, where often people who are really, really dedicated to following Jesus, we get nervous around them a little bit. You know, we kind of, we're almost embarrassed by, we'll even say, hey man, come on, lighten up. You know, the, you're taking this Jesus thing a little too far. Now, sometimes people can be fanatics and just be jerks for Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, folks who just sometimes make us nervous because of their undivided attention and loyalty to Jesus Christ. And we're, we're like, come on, man, lighten up a little bit. Well, we see that type of undivided attention other places and we praise it. Uh, Think of, we're coming up on the Olympics, right? Summer Olympics, I hope, maybe, I don't know, (laughs) we'll see. And in between the events, they always show the special interest stories of how you see how the athletes got there, right? Now, my wife and daughters love those things, and I'm thinking, just show the events. But anyway, you get these things, and in every case, there's such sacrifice. And, and you know, what they gave up to do this one thing better than anybody else one time in the last four years. And they get a medal. And we don't go, man, that was a waste. How silly. What priorities are screwed up there? We praise them. We praise that effort, that that level of undivided attention, all for a trinket when it comes down to the end of it. But when it comes to following Christ, sometimes we think, whoa, lighten up. Military, same way. We praise that. We praise, you know, you don't go, you don't join the army and someone just hands you a gun and say, here you go. There they are. It's not how it works. That's why they have basic training. And we, we see how they're, they're, it's forced undivided attention, whether you like it or not. It's forced. And we think, yes, that's how you do that. You know, um, Jesus told his followers, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Now again, we here take up our cross and we think of individual burdens of some kind that you know, we're all, we all have, and that's not what they heard at all. This was before Jesus was crucified. All they heard was death, forced death, forced undivided attention. You, were, you had no choice but to carry that cross. Roman soldiers would make sure you did. Take up that cross, undivided attention. Well, what might it mean? What, what if something in your life Jesus calls to you with such expediency that your family doesn't even understand? Remember, this guy just wanted to say goodbye to his family. What if it was so profound and so quick that your family just can't wrap their minds around it? Well, that seems to be what Jesus is suggesting could happen. In each case, notice... Again, these aren't bad things, but they are things that can get in the way of actually following Jesus as Lord. Now, this is not going to be the same for everybody, okay? All we have to do is look at Peter. Ah, thank goodness for Peter, right? We have some of the greatest teachings of Jesus because Peter opened his mouth. (laughs) All right, so... He had to be rebuked, or corrected, or instructed, or... Anyway, well, St. Peter, who who said, you know, no, they'll never do this to you. And Jesus said to say, get behind me, Satan. And then, no, I'll never deny you. And then that same night, denied Jesus three times. Well, at the end of John's Gospel, we have this beautiful scene where Jesus meets Peter again. Peter's so excited, he leaps out of the boat, swims ashore. Jesus has breakfast cooking, right? He's ready to go. And of course, Jesus famously asks him three times, do you love me? He has three opportunities to repent of the three denials. Beautiful picture of of grace and love. And at the end of that, Jesus tells him, about how when you were younger, you used to go where you wanted, do what you want, but when you get older, you're going to be girded, you're going to be taken where you don't want to go. And John adds the, adds the commentary that he's telling Peter by what kind of death he would later honor Jesus Christ. Traditionally, we know that Peter was crucified, but upside down, requesting that, feeling he was not worthy to die as his, as his Lord. Whether No matter about that, we see John telling him, This is what's going to happen to you. And Jesus then says, We're told that Jesus says, Follow me. Now, I tend to to, to kind of stage it as, Come here, follow me. After having just heard this, well, Peter sees John there. And like all of us, having just heard that, he says, Well, what about him? What about this guy? And then Jesus says, if I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. The first words that Jesus ever spoke that we have recorded that Jesus spoke personally to Peter were follow me. These are the last recorded personal words of Jesus to Peter. Follow me. And notice, he was concerned about, well, if I'm going to have to do this, what about this guy? And that's all of our tendency. Having heard that following Jesus requires this complete understanding of what might be coming our way, urgency and undivided attention, our natural tendency is is when we're obedient and, and we look at someone else and go, well, what about them? That's not our concern. If Jesus wants them to remain, Until he returns, what's that to you? Our concern is to follow him. And that is my prayer for all of us. Let's pray. Thanks, Father, for your word and for your Holy Spirit who helps us to understand and interpret and apply your word. We've done this for a long time, uh, thanking you for your word and being able to come here to hear it. And I thank you for the time I've been able to share with this group of people in this room and more largely with uh, First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio. Thank you for the blessing they've been to my family and to me. Uh, And I pray for continued blessings on their efforts to be Jesus to, to a world that so desperately needs to hear the truth. Pray for the people in this room, pray a special blessing upon them and their families. Thank you for what they mean to me and to each other, to this church, and to your kingdom. We now dedicate uh, our obedience by the power of your Holy Spirit to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you.